I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they missed the bowl of kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. But we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? Wakanda. Wakanda. <laughs> you know how we do it, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Little disclaimer, Lisa Bolacaja is out, but she will be back next week. Okay, oh, he's like going crazy. I know everybody in San Diego. Just like <laughs> crazy. You see all the shit on her? No, what happened? Oh, dude, they were out there marching and going crazy at the at the at the at theater. The theater down there, they, they had, had like, the bongos going. They shit. sold out, and oh, yeah, it, and dude. they're all like in their like full regalia. Full regalia. All right. They were either in their in their cosplay, or they were in like some African garb. And the dreads were out. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It nice. was it was crazy. It was crazy. So shout out to Lisa Bolacaja. <clears throat> but sitting in with us today, we got my man, Chris Derrick from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. What's up, Chris? Not much, man. Yeah. Excited. It's just I'm I'm still kind of like in the glow. <laughs> <laughs> you on that new TV show? Is that what it is? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Out there just wrestling the girls and shit. Well, you know, I like to wrestle girls at times because. <laughs> and then we got my man Brandon Easton. We haven't had you here in a while. Yeah, Writer, up, producer himself. What's going on? I am good. Glad to be back and still living off of the afterglow of yeah. Black Panther of Wakanda. Yes. I am just taking it easy, man. It's a beautiful day and I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just ask you right quick before we get sure. into it. So what you, what you been up to lately what, since last time we talked to you? It's like about a year now since we... It's been, yeah, it's been almost uh, eight, nine months. Uh, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I had a very uh, interesting 2017, as mm. many of us did in the business. But, right. um, you know, my comic book <clears throat> stuff is still flowing pretty right. well. And Let's tell the kids um, a little bit about it, what you got going on. Well, okay. Um, <clears throat> in the last year, I've been working with Jeff Thorne mm-hmm. on a project over at Marvel, which I can't obviously right. talk right. about, and that's going to drop real soon. Mm-hmm. And I uh, finished up with Mobile Armored Strike Command, also known as yes. Mask, over at IDW. Mm-hmm. And the Vampire Hunter D graphic novel um, is going to be coming out later this um, year. So um, we that. had to go get a new artist, but it looks absolutely outstanding. All right. All right. And then I was hired by a um, production company to write a pilot. To adapt a you know major international franchise into really? television, yeah. Give me some so, of that. Uh, That's what I'm talking yeah, about. So, whoa, 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 Where my ten percent? Where my pimp fees? <laughs> we at? shall see. We shall see, my friend. I see but, you uh, talk about that yeah, on, on Facebook, and yeah. I'm very, very curious to see what it is because I, I remember you posted a couple of weeks ago that you turned it in and were excited yeah, about I turned it. Turned an outline, and I was like, okay, yeah. I like. I want to know, but right, you know, right. I, you can't. I mean, I can't. It's going to drop soon. I just did the interview. For uh, a magazine, and what's going to happen is it's going to drop um, probably in the first week of March. Okay. So when that happens, I'll be happy to make that announcement. But 
um, a couple of my friends, and I do have to say this for anyone who might be listening who's hiring, just because I have comic book work does not mean I don't right. want TV writing. Right. People keep coming up to me saying, I thought you were okay. I have not worked in two years right. <laughs> on a television series, right. live action television right. series. So yes, while my comic book career is flowing, I still need to get staffed someplace. So right. I just want to put that out there because I keep talking to people and they keep saying, oh, I thought you were staffed. I'm like, yeah, I'm writing comics. Not television. I'm, I'm staffed because of my own accord in comics. Right. But as you know, in TV, it's not always just your efforts. It has to be a perfect storm of all the right things happening. Well, well let me you ask know. you this, because you would, I would think, mm-hmm. you know, because you have reps now. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, I still do. I mean, <laughs> this is interesting. We'll shift into the fucking Black Panther in a minute. Yeah, sure. But this is, people need to hear this shit. Sure, go You for know it. me. I like to talk about this Yeah, shit. yeah. So... You come off a show, mm-hmm. which was a genre show, right? Yes. Marvel. What was Agent, it Carter. Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, and then you don't work for two years. Right. Real shit. Yes. Right. Real Very shit. Real. Right. So here's the interesting thing: you are like the genre dude to the hundredth degree. Right. Right. You do fucking comic books, graphic <laughs> graphic books. Yes. I mean, there's nothing else you can't do. Right. How in the world could somebody like you, with your wisdom and knowledge in the fucking comic book world, and there's like 30 fucking shows on the air that are in the genre that you could write? Right. Why the fuck can't you write? I don't know. Um, according to some people <clears throat> who... At- I was attacked on Twitter last year. Really? Early- yeah. What up, bro? And, and it was a woman, and she was saying that I was... Uh, can I curse? Did you just hear me? Oh, yeah, that's true. A minute ago? She called me a, and I don't, I don't know why she attacked me, but she called me a know-it-all asshole who nobody wants in their room. And I was like, really? Because I haven't done anything to anybody. I was like being- <laughs> was she, Is she in the industry or was she yeah, just- she's a black woman writer who attacked huh. me on Twitter for absolutely no reason, really. Wow. And like, I thought we were having a discussion that was lighthearted, but mm-hmm. she was starting to drop like real nasty bombs on me. I mean, really? nasty. I mean, she was just calling me all these names and saying I was mansplaining and I'm a know-it-all asshole and all this stuff. What? And I never met this, I, to this day, I've never met this woman. Wow. And um, so, but I ran into a friend of mine at Black Panther <clears throat> who tells me, oh, all these people know who you are and they think you're cool and all that. And I'm like, why am I not being hired? Right. So, and I don't, and, and the thing is, and I spoke to a couple of people, I'm like, I don't, talk about that publicly too much. Mm-hmm. I'm not, because I don't want to complain or seem like I'm right. saying, why aren't you hiring me? I'm just like trying to figure out, you know, what it is I need to do to enhance my chances. Right. I mean, some of my early problems, particularly in 2016, especially in 2016, mm-hmm. were, and I hate to say it publicly, but it, it was rep problems. Mm-hmm. I was being- Sometimes th- you have rep problems. I was being thrown <clears throat> against a wall to see what sticks stuck instead of being- properly introduced to the right people. Mm -hmm. And I feel that one thing, and I say this to all reps, and I've asked this question, never gotten a straight answer, but I do feel that if you have a writer of color, particularly an African-American male writer, Mm -hmm. you know, not saying, I mean, not putting their color at the front of your spiel is probably, I feel like- Do you think it's hard for them? Well, I'll say this much. When I did say that to them, mm-hmm. I was told later by people, you know, all our friends, right. they were like, well, you can't say that to reps because then, they'll, then they, they think that you're calling them racist or right. you're saying something wrong. When all I was saying was, hey, this is how you could actually pitch me. I work with JPL slash NASA. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a former history teacher of mm-hmm. economics and, you know, U.S. history. <laughs> right. With this, Educated, you, smart right. motherfucker. Well, well, but it. I say that for a reason that <laughs> right. in your spiel, these are things that should be front loaded. Right. You know, um, 
Um, also, my comic book career, which I was told by one of my former reps that nobody cared that I was a comic book writer. What? They actually, told, and I didn't, and I had no reason to disbelieve her. You write her. genre. Of course they fish. But, but, what you but I mean, about? she said flat out, nobody cares that you do this. <laughs> and I was like, really? And she's like, yes. And she was dead serious. And I, and I took it to heart because I was like, I had to believe her because I trusted right. my, I, I didn't sign with somebody I didn't trust. Yeah. I just felt like my trust ultimately was misplaced. So when you add in, um, in fact, I also came out to the Disney ABC program, and you also know, and we all know, that people who come out of these programs don't always get staffed again because right. they're, no, first of all, nobody wants to pay for you, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I talked to a bunch of black uh, male showrunners who I know, and it's like, there's been a shift away from staff writers, period. Like, period. Not even just black ones, but people don't want to hire, people just don't want to groom writers or hire staff writers. Right. So, there was it's a... Very top-heavy now. Right. <laughs> right. As you know, we all know that now. But... Basically, to sum it up, I think I had a, a, a slew of all the wrong things happening at the right time, at the wrong time. You know what I mean? So Timing is everything. Right. Because, as you know, to get staffed, all the right things, like a slew of positive things have to go right, right. at the right, things have to break your direction. Right. You know, it could be simple as, like, if you're watching baseball, and if a ball goes underneath the first baseman's glove, like what happened with the Red Sox in 86, mm-hmm. I believe it was, you know. <laughs> That that happens to our careers too. It right. could be as simple as not being at the writers guild at the right moment, right? Or not being in the garage at the right moment. Right. Do you know how many impactful conversations from my career I've had in the garage mm-hmm. of the writers guild of mm-hmm. America West? A lot. I believe it. Yeah, a you lot. know what I mean. I I'm just saying, it. I'm just throwing it out there. No, no, right. no. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I think people you know. people miss those opportunities to want to talk right. to people when right. they're leaving. And when they're not, you know, I mean, it's different to leave. It's different to talk after the panel than it is to talk in a garage, you know, right. like right upstairs right. and then down to the basement. Because right. in the basement, right. I think they feel a little more less who's listening. Who's watching. Thing, you know, right. Right. well, let's, like let's explain that. So what you're basically saying, are you talking about panelists or are you talking about just even Period. people in the audience? Everything. So we're talking about if you go to a panel, for instance, at the Writers Guild or wherever you would go, <clears throat> sometimes when you go back to your car... And there's other people out there or at the elevator, you start a conversation and you don't ever know who you're starting a conversation with, right? Mm-hmm. Just trying to paint the picture for the people a little sure. bit. And you're also saying sometimes it's the panelist. Well, right? well no, no. Okay, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm saying is that after the panel, mm-hmm. the panelists get mobbed by everybody right. there who wants to talk to them. I never speak to them. And then, <laughs> I, the I mean, door. unless it's someone that I know already, right. I'll say, hey, man, good seeing you. I'll hit you up an email tomorrow. Right, right, right. You know, because I don't want to take your time. And you know what? And guess what? You can't give me time right now anyway. Right. It's like you had a, it's like you're the, the host, at, at, you know, at, at, it's your party and you're the host. You right. can't, you know what I mean? So, you, so, but you wanted them in the, in the, in the garage. When no one's around, right. they'll give you time. Right. I remember the same. I remember one time happened when we were at we were watching Southpaw mm-hmm. at the Writers Guild, and I didn't know um, oh, what the hell's his name. He wrote fucking. He he, he did Sons of Anarchy. Uh, oh, Kurt Sutter. Oh, Kurt Sutter. Kurt yeah. Sutter. He wrote that, and he was mm-hmm. in a talk afterwards. And he was so bitter about the movie mm. because they had changed so much right. of it. Mm. Right. He, can, like, he hates that. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah, so I, I was Kurt like, well. you know, the people mm-hmm. people walk up to him after the pe- afterwards and the thing, and never, I said, I don't. Want, I mean, I know him tangentially through Glenn, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to say anything at then. But then I was outside waiting for my car to come up, mm-hmm. and he walked by. Right. I said, Kurt, hey, you know what? Blah blah blah. He was like, huh? and, and he didn't know me, but right. he gave me that opportunity then, mm-hmm. and he gave me and my brother some time that mm-hmm. he wouldn't have given us. 
like in there when the when the whole theater is mobbing him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's what I think people have to. I mean, and that's just that's your timing thing, right? And that's that, that well, you might not be able to like you can't guarantee that's going to happen, but right. when it does, be prepared to like take advantage of right. it. Well, you right. you, yeah. you just got me thinking about something. <clears throat> people always ask me why they always sit in the front row. Every time you see me, there's an event. I'm in the front row. Well, when I, I sold my first script in 2000. Four. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, I started doing all these panels, right? I was on them because we had this horror script I wrote, right? So I'd be on panels and I'd sat down. I'll never forget. I was sitting, I was looking at the audience. And I realized, and you guys have all been on panels too, you can only see the first two rows. Right. And maybe some heads deep in the back if it's at a, a thing. So I went, oh, I don't even remember anybody else except for the people I see sitting right here. Staring right at you. So right. that's part one. The other part is me being a black man. I'm not sitting in the fucking back. Right. So that's me. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it helped me to put my face on things. People remember those people more. Because mm-hmm. they constantly are looking. If they're not speaking, they're just looking out. And they're looking at the first row or two. You know? Right. So, and the other part is, whenever I did do those and people come swarming to you after the panel, I don't hardly remember those people. Because I'm just going, hey, nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. So you guys are right on the button. You, to some extent, you're almost wasting your time. Mm. To some extent, to just a little extent, if yeah, you're not making well, a de- well, definite well, connection, yeah, right. you, you have to mm. figure. That you have to know how to make the connection, right? And, and I will say that. I mean, like I. Kn- that's how I met Glenn. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to meet him because I had seen his name on like a bunch of shows that I loved, like Life and on The Shield. And then he was at this panel, and I was like, I want to meet this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, not just meet him, but but I want to form a, some sort of connection with him. Right. So afterwards, everyone was talking to him, everyone was talking to him, talking to him, and I said, Hey, man. Uh, and it was this thing about like how to write like a perfect, not like a perfect, but like how to make it was something about like writing a great spec. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I think I was there. I, I, I said, about. hey, I got a great spec. I would love for you to read it, but I know it's a big ask. Um, if you just read the first ten pages, mm-hmm. and then if you're not interested, don't call me back, and I'm not going to call you. That's he, not asking too much. And then he said to me, "Okay, here's my email. Send it to me." Wow, right. because because uh, I said it's just ten pages, and I'm not and I'm not going to hound you about it. I was like, very clear about that. And then he and you know and then he called me like about a month later, but he he said I read your whole script, mm. and I was like and I was like, but at that time I felt confident enough in the material, right? You know, but I also was not going to say. You know, I mean, because I know that if, if if writers don't like your shit, they're gonna stop at page ten anyway. Right, you know? that's true. So this I was like, look, and, and and so, but but I really, but that's I think the only time that I've done that because there's other people that I want to meet, but at times when where I'm like, I don't know what I can't do that with them. You right. know, I want something different or things like that. Because mm-hmm. so, you, you have to give them the right material. Yeah, too, yeah. You know, for the yeah, right person. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, right. and it's like it's like it's threading the needle, just like everything in this business is like yeah, threading yeah, the needle. Right, right. And like you're saying, if the if the reps aren't even giving you thread, then you know, then right. you can't you can't. I, I mean, what I are you gonna do? I tell you, man. I mean, I honestly felt like I had done something wrong. I committed some cardinal sin because right. I felt that every door was shut. And then I ran into Jeff Bird. You mm-hmm. know, I'll shout out, thank mm-hmm. you, What's up, at, Jeff? at uh, Black Panther <laughs> on Thursday, uh-huh. and he's was like, dude, you know, all these people know who you are and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, then I don't understand why I'm not being high, you know. And it's a thing where I'm not angry. I was angry. I am completely not angry anymore. I've gotten over it. I mean, I was just like, for like basically 18 months, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. But the thing I did was go back to the Wait, 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 wait. I I don't have to interrupt you. Sure, sure, sure. Because this is real shit. So trip this. 
So you work your ass off. You get yes. into one of the programs. You yes. get on a show. Yes. And you're like, okay, God has said, here you go. <laughs> For like 20 weeks. Right. right. Pretty much. And then you're like, and then boom, it's cut off. And you're like, wait a minute. God, I thought you said mm. I was in now. Right. Right. Or whoever That's you believe in. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> so you're, you were just like on a high to a low, on a high to a low. Right. So keeping that balanced mm-hmm. is difficult. So, right. so your first reaction, like when you break up with your girlfriend, your wife, whatever the fuck, is to get angry. Right. 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 Yeah. You feel me, Chris? You live well, 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 look, you're angry. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot of self recrimination. Right. right. There's all this questions. Shit. Yeah. Right. Unanswered like, questions. Like, what did right. I do? How did I <laughs> fuck this up? Right. What did ah! I do? Exactly. Right. I was That's fucking exactly right. It. I thought I was fucking. Right. You know, it's all I got said that you that, that you have to. You start. <laughs> I was the first one there and the last one to leave. What are you, you know, talking like, about? Like, what's going on? And it's not in your head. And it's like. There's there's just so much if you're not told. There's so many things that are going on. Right. I mean, there's things that That's are politics. Right. Politics. It's like you saying that about the woman on Twitter hitting you. Didn't, didn't even know you. Right. But there's something said about you right. because it's like she directly attacked me. Like it was see, the weirdest <laughs> shit ever. To this day, I'm still like, what the fuck happened? Because well, I because like. I can't remember when like you and I met, but we met one time at the Writers Guild. Yeah, we were talking. I can't remember what it was. We were upstairs. And upstairs, and yeah, really, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember you. And, yeah. and we walked into a panel, and I was saying to myself. You remind me of like a bunch of guys who I grew up with, who I used to hang out with at the comic book store, mm-hmm. you know? And at the time, I knew your name from stuff you've written us. I just sure. knew your name. And I was like, okay, so you're, so you're a cool guy. But the thing that I, but then, but, but see, now you're telling me the story that people think you're a know it all, blah, 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 and you have this background in history. And I realized is that a lot of times, People in your situation, because this happens to me a lot too, I could just kind of tell this is the thing. Who you are, which makes you fascinating, makes certain people um, intimidated. And insecure. Right. And insecure. Which and I don't understand. Right. They have to find these ways to see, because look, I could probably like, like say to you, uh, Brandon, so. Um, in 1985, there was this, you know, like Fantastic Four, that blah blah, blah. and, you, and, yeah, you, and right. you probably know it. Yeah. He's like volume number 34. Yeah, yeah, you, you probably know what I was talking about exactly. Probably talking right? about John Byrne. Yeah, it was 1985. right? But if someone was listening, they probably say, "You ever know it all? You right. like, You're a prick <laughs> for knowing things." <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you know what it is? Is that people people think that you're showing off your Special gift, right? And they don't like that. That's your gift, and therefore, and and and, and the thing is, it's not you showing off. Mm-hmm. It's you just being you. I have a, and this is my thing. Do people say that about white men? Like, if a white guy is smart or a white woman is smart, they're like, wow, that guy, you know, they're smart. They're they're, right, right. they're, they're, they're an asset to a room. A black guy who's it's Einstein's cousin, isn't it? you know. But <laughs> it's like I don't ever wear any of my academics or whatever you want academia on my sleeve. I just talk, and I'm and I treat everybody the same. Right. I don't treat, and I swear to God, I don't. I treat men, women, whoever. I don't care who you are. As long as you treat me with dignity and respect, I'll give it back to you. But I find, and of course, and. This is something no one talks about, but I do believe at one point my weight was working against me. Okay. I was at I was at three seventy. Okay. And now I'm at two seventy, basically. Wow. Come yeah. on, boy. Thank you, brother. You look great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I did notice that because and this is something no one ever talks about is the fat phobia that exists. Let's get it. Let's get it. And I do <laughs> feel that in this city, and obviously, you know, I don't get out I mean I don't my other problem I don't go out enough like right. I really don't go out in, like out socially enough and that's yeah. also hurt me I know that hurts me right. and I know that's been an issue but 
you know, I do know based on what some people have said and when I was working on shows and stuff that me being as heavy as I was, people definitely wanted to keep me at a, it's a, it's a way people treat you without they, without them realizing it, mm. where if you're really, really heavy, there's certain assumptions made. And I wasn't aware of this until I had a conversation with a white blonde haired blue eyed guy who used to be heavy too mm. and I thought well is it just an intersection between race and cellulite that's right. hurting me you know <laughs> but then I talked to this white guy works at a production company right down the street I'm not mm-hmm. going to say which one and he said oh no um, my former boss told me he didn't trust fat people because he felt they had no self control and he couldn't have anybody without self control in his office wow and it was like, well, it, it, my reason I was heavy wasn't because I didn't have self-control. It was because I was working three jobs and ate garbage at night every night right. before I went to bed. Right. That's where I gained, I, I gained the most amount of weight when I moved here because That's I was, when you gain the most weight before you go to bed, too. Right. right. And the trick is, is I was stressed. I was working. I was trying to make my dream come true. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of it was I put on a lot of weight right. and then people were judging me for right. it. So now it's also interesting on a sociological level to see how people treat me after the fact. Mm-hmm. I've heard that, you know, too. Is a friend of mine who's... You know? Oh, right. Yeah. That's real. There are people who ahead, knew, because every time I walk in, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, real no, quick, no, no, but yeah. every time I walk into a room with people who knew me beforehand, first now, let me, let me backtrack. When I meet people now, I don't feel that weirdness. And it, it's not just me projecting. I can tell when someone's keeping me at, um, you know, at, with a stick, you know, a right. t- you can right. tell. Right. We all know what people, right. yeah. you can tell. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. the people who knew me, have known me for years now, and they see me, but it, there's been a lapse in them seeing me. They are so much nicer to me now, and they're so much like congratulatory, and everyone's like waving a flag. Oh my god, we! Lo-. You know, I'm like, you weren't li- nice to me back then. <laughs> I mean, there was somebody when I was on the set of Agent Carter who was a complete asshole to me really? the whole time, and then she runs up to me after the fact and was like, "Oh, we're all one." Like she actually used the word "family" to describe <laughs> that crew, and I'm like, "You were a complete dick to me." <laughs> <laughs> on set. I'll give you an example. We were in Santa Clarita. We were shooting at a place called Mystery Mesa where so right. many action, yeah. it's like yeah, a death, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? <laughs> Mystery Mesa is known for several things. Once, one, it's incredible views. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is a hundred mile power dust storms Wind. that come out yeah. of nowhere. So we were out on the, um, Shooting, it was 6 a.m. We were shooting an Agent Carter scene, and the 90, a 90 mile per hour wind came up over the camp. Ooh, that's Kicked strong. up all this dirt. Right. Now, this person who was so much, well, was my family now, uh, she gave everybody goggles except for me. What? Wow. Yeah. She walked around and walked right, gave goggles. And I'm sitting there, just had my glasses on. Which and you there to my produce eyes. your episode, right? I was, a, I was the writer. <laughs> and she would not even give me goggles. And I had suffered a bunch of little indignities like that right. during the course of that right. show. But I let it go because it was my first show. And I was terrified of every little thing. Right. And I didn't know. And I just wanted to make sure that I did my... <laughs> Uh, contribution, and I didn't make any waves because right. as a black guy, I've been told right. by hundreds of black men, a brother who's over six foot, that you need <laughs> right. to make sure that you're there early. Like the, the same rules they give everybody are doubly in place yeah, for double us. Double it, you double know. It. Be there early, leave late. Right. I offered to do all this extra stuff, that, which wasn't needed, but I mm-hmm. wanted to flesh out the world because as a world builder, I was offering to write backstories for certain characters mm-hmm. that needed because it's stuff that you never see on screen, but you f- miss it if it ain't there. You know yeah, what I'm talking right. about. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to put a cap on it, I honestly don't know what it is. I don't know what I did. I don't know what people think, but I know that when I meet everybody, I mean, I've never missed, I don't mistreat anybody. Mm-hmm. I treat everybody the same. Right. Now I know that there's some weirdness sometimes with the sisters and brothers in this town. And because I had it happen where I had a conversation with a black woman writer. This is not the one who called me yeah. a know-it-all asshole. This is someone else who is an accomplished public relations sister. 
And her whole approach to everything is all black men here only want to sleep with white women. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> true at all. But if that's what you believe, but I'm like, you shouldn't walk around with that in your head. Right. Because when I go to the gym, all I see is brothers trying to talk to sisters who will not talk back to them. Right. You know, I mean, if anyone thinks that black men in this town don't like black women, you need to go to 24-hour fitness anywhere in this city, especially <laughs> in Carson, where I go. Right. Brothers love black women. I don't know if it goes the other way sometimes in right. this town, because I keep hearing that brothers don't like black women here, but I'm like, that's not what I see. That's yeah. not what I feel. That's not right. what I hear. So right. I don't know where this mentality is coming from, but I'm getting all these vibes that there's like a little bit of weirdness between brothers and sisters. I know there's definitely weirdness toward overweight people, but in terms of me, I don't know anything I've done to any one person other than show up and work really hard every day. Right. So I don't know what happened. I know, like, for example, a couple people over at, um, what was it, Legends of Tomorrow wanted to read my, uh, uh, one of my specs, but they were looking for a more comedic writer. Right. So I, don't, I didn't have a lot of comedy in the spec, but they liked the spec. They were like, mm-hmm. well, this is dope. Like, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. This is good work. Mm-hmm. And everybody who I meet will be like, well, that was a dope script. <laughs> I got a lot of meetings, but they don't turn always into jobs, as we all know. Right. Now, one of the things that happened to me, which was the first time ever, this, this, I went up for a job over at Sony mm-hmm. for a science fiction show, and what I found out after the fact that it was basically the, 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 the new showrunner who was brought in, he kept finding something wrong with everything I gave him. Hmm. Like it was always something. It so was you always, sent him more than one thing. Uh, yeah, which I found <laughs> once you have to do that is usually a wrap. Right. But um, what I found out after the fact was it wasn't me at all. He just wanted to hire his buddies from the old show right. he was on. But right. I was made to think for that whole two and a half month period of me jumping through hoops that I was a shitty writer. Mm. Because I didn't have, in the absence of any other information, I'm reverting to it's me. Because right. I don't have any other you know, evidence. And I don't want to just speculate. It's like, I don't, it's racism. No. Sometimes they just don't want to hire you because they want to hire their buddies. Right. They're trying and, to stall time, too. Right. right. And, but, but by me being the person that they use to stall time, that affected me. Right. And that's another thing I wanted. Because I had a meeting with um, some people, and we talked about this very subject. That these are people's, this is our lives. Mm-hmm. This is not just a slot. This is people's dreams and their lives. And when you play with them, you're hurting people and and you're doing more than just hurting them financially. You're also messing with their uh, self-esteem a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and it's taken me a few years to even, and I'm from Baltimore. I had a tough skin before I even got here. Right. You know, I taught in the Bronx. And and one of the worst neighbors, I just did a pilot about my, you know, and and that that ended up being the, um, I became a semi-finalist in the TV writer, the WGA TV writer access project just on that script, which is, Funny, because that script, which I have not touched since I finished the second or third draft, that was what kind of broke up me and my former manager. Oh, really? Management. They yeah, didn't want you to write that script? No, they said it wasn't good. They said <laughs> it, because it, basically, this, I'll tell you no, real, real fast. Tell the kids. What, what happened to me at the end of 2016, because after I came off Agent Carter, I was a free agent. I was very hot. I was in the Hollywood Reporter three times in 2016. I remember, yes. You know, yes. I had all this stuff going on. And I kept sending stuff to my former reps being like, there has to be something you right. can do with all this heat and traction. It's not like you need to get a PR person. Really. <laughs> so they said, okay. So then staffing season of 2016 came and went from network. Yeah. And so we hit July and we hit Comic-Con. That's when shit hit the fan, actually right. Comic-Con of 2016. And I was told... That this is why I was told nobody cares. I was a writer, a comic book writer. Hmm. And then I was told at, at Comic Con. 
Yeah, it was, the, it was the day after, it was the week after, because I came back and I was like hustling and dealing at Comic-Con, right. but then my former reps were like, you know, not feeling it. They were right. just like, we didn't make any money off of you in this one little brief period wow. of time, so fuck you, basically. Damn. They didn't say that, but that was the vibe. Yeah. So, when I, so that was my agents who I broke up with after Comic-Con, mm -hmm. so then I still had this former management. Right. And they were like, well, you need to write something dark and heavy and character-based. <laughs> that you, that's your voice that you actually give a shit about. Because you can tell when someone's writing something they really don't give a fuck about, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I was a teacher for six years, but three of them were spent in one of the worst fucking neighborhoods, and, okay. which is, I'll say it, it was Webster. Dangerous Minds. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was Webster Avenue and 182nd Street in the Bronx, which mm -hmm. is about six blocks south of Fordham University. Wow. For those who don't know That's New York City, <laughs> it's called Murder Hill. Yeah. Um, but for those who are not familiar with New York City or the Bronx specifically, it would be that the West Coast analog would be USC 1992, six blocks Ooh, south. Wee, quit it is bill. literally, right. literally that. Right. And I'm not fucking around when mm -hmm. I say it is literally that. Even mm -hmm. now, I run into it's my right students. It's right in the middle of the hood. Yes, the Fordham campus. University, Fordham. six blocks <laughs> north yeah. of one of literally the legislatively worst neighborhoods on a fucking planet. And I taught at the school, middle school 391. Yeah. I run into my students every now and then from then, and they just like, dude, it, it's never gotten better. You know, it's just, fuck, it's just a different It's a real life lean on me, worse. right? Yeah, it is. Worse. Right. It's kind of gotten worse. It has. To a certain degree. It's right. Certain, certain so, so I do. So I write this. And so I, and I spent, good God, dude, I spent 45 days mm -hmm. on that first draft. Right. And I mean, 40, and I don't mean 45 days of five day weeks. I mean, 45 straight motherfucking days right. of pouring my heart and soul and also coming up with something a little bit different. Because mm -hmm. I was like, we've, people have seen Lean On Me, right. people have seen Dangerous Minds, but I added a musical aspect. Okay. So basically, my, my script is called Learning Curve. Mm -hmm. And it's a story of a disgraced rapper who returns to the neighborhood he left only to realize that the music that he created only helped to make things worse. Oh, so he's seeking redemption because he, he had this whole horrible thing happen in L.A. So he had to leave L.A., right. goes back to his old neighborhood. But it turns out that back in the day, he was the guy who produced his demo is like kind of like the Suge Knight of New York. Right, right. And he's like, well, you're back. And you never really made restitution for all the stuff. So now he's being attacked on two fronts, mm. one in the Department of Education mm -hmm. and one on the street. Yeah. So it's basically I, I picture it as a cross between Empire and Boston Public. Okay. So that's what I wrote. Okay. I put all kind of really cool musical numbers in it. Yeah. Not because I was doing I just felt like this would be fucking cool because... Sounds interesting is, to me. Right. Sounds current. So I gave mm. it to my reps yeah. and they were just like, yeah, no, this is not going to work. And there was a sticking point in it. And I'll tell you the, the sticking okay. point because this is part of the story. And I want any screenwriter to know this, that I, one of my students, and this is real, was molested by her boyfriend, um, sorry, her mother's boyfriend. Right. And the reason why he was able to molest this child and get away with it, because she was in a house full of brothers and sisters, is because her mother would take her a snap or food stamps, because it's on a card now, and would, trans, she, would, she would trade drugs or whatever for the food stamps, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. these kids weren't eating. The older daughters and brothers would just hustle on their own, but the little mm. girl, she was starving. Mm. So the mother's boyfriend was like, I'll get you food if you do whatever. Uh, okay. That's what happened. I, and re, and it, it blew up in my face in the classroom because this young lady was always a horrible student, was mm -hmm. just unkempt, smelled bad, was always doing bad things. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. And then one day she- and She was reacting. See, that's the thing. Right. I didn't know. Right. I was so naive, <clears throat> so naive mm -hmm. and idealistic, you know, which is my greatest strength and weakness, I guess. Mm. I, I still try to believe people are good, but it kicks me in the ass when I, when I realize they're not sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? So I will never forget this day, the rest of my life, when they, she was freaking out. They called school security, and those of us who live, who have ever spent time in New York know that school security is NYPD, right? right? <laughs> so they try to subdue her. 
peaceably, because you know, even though you hear these stories about you know people locking up black kids, you know, generally speaking, they, people really do try to calm the situation right. down. Yeah. No one wants to put a kid in there. Right. No, nobody really wants to put kids in handcuffs. No. I'm, I'm as someone who actually was in the front lines of this. She just wouldn't sit down. She gets up. Then she like wham elbows the the, the, the police officer. <laughs> so when you do that, no matter who you are, they're going to they're going to. I still feel it. They step out. So the point is, is that they took her down, and they were like, "Please calm down." And she unleashed a wail of pain and grief that is still echoing in my ears to this day. And I put that scene in the script. Right? Wow. Only to have my former <laughs> reps tell me that an executive wouldn't go for it. What? Because of that scene. Because I have a scene where the mother says flat out, I don't give a shit about you because you're just like your brother who's in Rikers. Wow. So I don't really care. Because this, this actually real. happened yes. in front of me yes. as a human being. And this is where my whole naive idealism kicked in. I was sitting there watching this. And this is at this, I'm going back to, this was 2005 or 2004 or so. Right. And it really hurt me. And I felt like that story, that moment needs to be encapsulated and dramatized. So I put in, this would, according to my reps, former reps, this would put me in the right position now because it w- I would do something dark. It's edgy, yes. And it's real mm-hmm. and is dealing with the experience of African-American youth in the inner cities, particularly in the Bronx. Right. And they just kept telling me it wouldn't work. So then I listened to them because I, was, I had trusted them. Right. And then I had, did a page one rewrite of the, Goddamn outline, and I hate writing outlines, <laughs> but I did it. So I handed in an outline. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it. We write, write another outline. I'm like, okay, I wrote another outline. They didn't like that one. Wow. So I wrote a third outline, and they didn't like that. And I'm just like, okay. So then I had posted a YouTube thing. This, now, this takes us up to 2017. Okay, okay. So here we go. Time to get I wrote this in February 2017. Then I get to... Um, so staffing season 2017 comes and goes. And because I spent probably 90 days working on this one thing, mm-hmm. I missed the window. So they went, they went out with my old specs, which mm-hmm. were great, but people had already seen them. Right. So then I get a call one day saying, oh, no, so I put a YouTube video up saying, okay, if you're a writer, this is how you manage disappointment. I wasn't blaming anyone. I was just saying, if you're a writer, and you could be writing prose, screenplays, comics, this is how you manage your disappointment and keep moving forward. To some, that was interpreted as me complaining. Even though if you look at it, it's completely not that. So literally the day after I published, I put that uh, video up, my former uh, management uh, dropped me. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it was connected, but it sure felt awfully coincidental. Hmm. So after that, I felt like complete shit. From that day up until the day I submitted that to the WGA TV Access Writer Project. And that now, was what October. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Did you go back to your original one? Version? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. That's what I submitted. Okay. That was the okay. one, because I had written. You said, fuck dress. all their stuff. Yeah, I said, see. you know what? Let right. me just see right. if it was me or if it was someone else. Because I've heard stories for years, and I never fucking believed them, I'm being honest, where a writer, a successful writer, will be like, yeah, this movie, which made $275 million, mm-hmm. the first, I, this is the same script, and my agents hated it. Well, let me just say this. You know, and I didn't believe it. I have interviewed... <laughs> I didn't believe it. Damn, there are 200 people on this show, right. and, and on other shows and mm-hmm. in other situations. Every single person, we talked about this all the time, mm-hmm. every single person who... Finally crossed over. Like the guy who wrote I, Tanya. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did a whole bunch of shit before. Right. He was almost done and decided mm-hmm. to write. And all of his agents were like, no, not that one. Tanya Hardy? I'm telling you, right. it's always the one. Chris has one right now that mm-hmm. people told him he shouldn't write that I think is going to get him a Golden Globe. Oh, You know what I mean? Okay. So, so I have one that everybody told me not to write that I think will do the same thing. Right. So you just never, it's the one because it's coming from here. Well, see, well, see, right. see this, this is the thing about the managers and the agents is that... You know, I haven't had one in a very long time for, could be a lot of reasons, but I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I spent a lot of time when when I had like, I've had three different managers and two different agents and I've thought about what, you know, like where are the mistakes? Like you were saying before, is is Mm -hmm. a a lot of stuff that you did wrong. You did wrong. You think that you did wrong. And then you hear from people, they tell you, you get all this, this piecemeal information that kind of like fills in Mm -hmm. the question that you've been asking. And what it is, is, is that. You know, they like to be around creative people. Mm-hmm. They like to be around the energy that the creative stuff gives them. And, you know, a lot of them have worked at, at, at agencies or worked at studios, stuff like that, to, in mailrooms to pick up. But the thing is, is that nobody really knows what's going to touch anybody. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that, is that, that agents, and particularly agents, but, but managers of them, like, don't, give you the greatest advice because they're not really storytellers. They want to be, right? but they're not because if they were storytellers, they'd be doing that right. because it's, it's such a hard, specific thing. And the thing that, but see this, the thing that they're re, that you need them for, and if they're good, they're good at this is, hmm. they're good at like, at seeing what the marketplace is like, is aware of. And seeing what is selling and being able to, you know, and to give you guidance and to say, hey, this could work this way. Because the fact that they're telling you that, oh, there's, there's, there's one exec who's not, who's not going to like this. But aren't there 400 shows on the year? Right. There's so many different places that are, there's new stuff popping up. You know, like, I mean, at the time, you know, at the time when you probably showed them that, there wasn't Apple yet, right? So, 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 mm. so who knows who's going to say yes to this? Are people going to get like shuffled in? I mean, you know, there's that, there's that revolving chair of people at that level too. So you don't ever know. Like who's going to respond to stuff that that happens, and I'm and I guarantee you, I mean, the story about you know, as you just kind of mentioned about well, this is a script that you know that my managers didn't like, my agents didn't like. See, they get like deluged by so much material that they almost and and so do a lot. You of think people. they get numb to it a little yeah, they, bit, or they, what? They, yeah, they get numb to it. Yeah. They get numb to it, and it, and and it takes something really. And and the thing is, is that. You know, like we see a lot of bad movies, sure, you know, and, 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 like, and television, and, yeah, and a lot of bad TV shows. Right. But you got to realize that that's. I mean, like I, you know, like I watch the movies, movies, and sometimes I say that's killing the business. That movie getting made is killing the business because it's going to be so bad mm. and they put a lot of money in it. But the thing is, is that that's what they thought was great. Hmm. Somebody you, did. Yeah. Somebody wrote and, the check. And, and the thing is, there's <laughs> right. stuff that's 10 times worse than that that the managers have to, they have to wade through. They have to weed, they have to, see, the thing that I think, it goes back to what I was saying you before about when I told Gunn, I said, just read the first 10 pages, right? Mm. Because there's a really great, um, what's the guy's name who wrote Cat's Cradle? Kurt Vonnegut. Mm. Okay, so Kurt Vonnegut has this, these, these seven or eight rules for short stories, mm-hmm. which I think are like absolutely perfect for any kind of writing. But I think the last one on his thing is, uh, respect everyone's time. Mm. You know that what you're giving someone, you gotta, you know what, that's their time. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna abuse it by giving them something that's not good, 
because you want it red, then you're fucking up. And that and and you know, and, and, and and honestly, that might make your you know like your manager, your agent, or the producer, whoever read it, like be mad for a couple of days, you know. And next thing you know, they're gonna read your thing with the, still with that bad taste of that script right. in their mouth. Mm-hmm. We've all read a script when we're not in a good mood, and you just didn't even like right, it. You didn't exactly. Feel it. Right, and, right. And, and, and that could, and you know what? And at that point, you're arguing with them about something that that to them, they might not know that that's how they read it. Mm-hmm. And but the th- the worst thing is they never back down. Right. That mm-hmm. side never backs down on a point. That's why I got fired from my last agent because mm-hmm. we were arguing about a project that my brother and I wanted to do. Um, and no, there's was, there was a thing that my brother and I didn't want to do. Mm. That this guy was like, Screen Jim is going to pay you for this thing, do mm. this thing, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't want to do a dance movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do another dance. I mean, look, I can't Man, I write did that one. thing. I, like, I, I did right. one. Right. That was the first thing we sold. I don't really right. want to do another one. I, I don't want to do that. And our agent was like, You fucking better do that shit. You know, like, just put together a, 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 the pitch. Put together the pitch. So. You know, we're putting together the pitch. This other movie comes out. I can't remember what it was. It might have been like Stop the Yard or something like that. Step up or whatever. And and, and it did really, (laughs) you know, and and it did really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. And then then that Monday when the box office came out, you know, my, my agent called me and said, See? Now write that fucking pitch so we can go in and take it to them. Wow. You know? So, so my brother and I are like, you know, fucking feeling cowed and shit. Right. We go and write this thing, put all this effort into it, all this kind of stuff, come back, give it to him. And the guy says, yeah, I don't want to do any dance movies for, for a while right now. Hmm. And I look at my agent and I was like, you motherfucker. Wow. I said to him, I said, you motherfucker. Hmm. They don't want to do that shit now because they just did it. They're not going right. to want to do it again. It doesn't matter if it's going to be two years to get us out. If anything, he, they're going to stick he, with the he, franchise. He, he, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know, right. And, and honestly, I don't think that Screen Gents has put out a dance movie since then theatrically. Mm-hmm. They've put him out, you know. A VOD, a VOD right? VOD, but not right. theatrically. Right. And I was looking at him like, you mother... And, and I told him that. I said, you motherfucker, and was screaming at him on the... Which, Maybe I shouldn't have done, but I was so mad. I was so mad because of the disrespect that he gave us right. week, two weeks before. Right. You know, that I was like, "Oh, you gonna slap me? I gotta slap you back." Mm-hmm. You know, and then he was like, "You know what? No, you guys have to go. We have to part ways." Mm. But I was kind of like, "But you don't know. You don't know that." That they're gonna want this. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that's where it's such a tricky relationship. And it's like, you, and, you, and you said it right now, you said you wrote three outlines for these guys. And, and to me, I'm kind of saying to myself, I heard that from a lot of people. Right. There are people who are like, write these outlines, write these outlines. And to me, I'm like, yeah. fuck no. I don't want to write an outline <laughs> for shit. It's like, there's a, way, there's a way that I see this. That's, you know what? That's what I want to do. That's how I see this. Mm-hmm. If you don't see this, then you don't need to do this. Right. And mm-hmm. I'll do it myself right. later on for you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do it your way because if you knew the pathway to the gold on the story, you would tell me. me. Right. And then I just type it up. But you want me to kind of like dig around in the dirt and find it. And you know what? That's what I did before I gave you the first outline. I dug around in the dirt and found the gold. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you go, that's not gold enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, wait, right. wait, what? It's gold. It's still gold. <laughs> it's still gold. You know, and I'm yeah. always open to like. It might be powder good. gold, but damn it, it's but, gold. But, right? but the thing is, I'm, I was always open to notes, <laughs> but I wasn't getting notes. 
I was getting to start all over again. Right. That's not a note. D- exactly. And that's the whole thing. That's the that's thing. Like, I will welcome notes. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you, I mean, what's, I mean, and then the, and the big thing with notes is trying to figure out what the note is that they're saying. What they, what they, yeah. But if people are saying start over again, then it's, then it's, then it's kind of like they don't even know what they don't. It's, it's like they can't articulate what they right. don't like. Right. And at that point, then it's like, then you, then you really shouldn't be telling me anything right. if you can't articulate it. I just had this conversation about a month ago with my, I just signed with some new reps um, before the beginning oh, of the year, right at the end nice. of the year. And love my new manager. Uh, shout out to Adriana. And, but when we first started, she'd read a script and she'd be like, I need more here. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. <laughs> and so I had to sit down with her and go, here's an example of what I need. So if you give me a note here and you say, I need more here, so I need more here when the character does this, can you give me more of that? Or yes. maybe when she goes to the right instead, maybe if she went to the left, so by the time we get to page 16, she does such and such and such. That's the kind of note I need. Now she gets it, so when she's going through and she gives me her notes, I'm like, yes, bitch, See, those yes. those are notes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that there's an art to giving a note. note. You know what right, I mean? Right. And now we click. So it's like, I get it. We're on the same well, path. Well, on the same path. I mean, to me, it's like the best notes right. you get are you get from people who write because right. they kind of know. Right. I mean, I'm not going to tell you about this. I'll tell you offline about this project mm-hmm. that I'm doing. <laughs> but, when I, but the guy who's going to EP it, God willing... Like he, the notes he gave me were so. I mean, it was very little in terms of what he, but it's so specific, right. mm-hmm. and it went very deep on what that was, and it allowed me to kind of to the zone in so razor sharp on what the rewrite was going to be. I said, "Oh, it's going to be right." He's like, "No, this is not a rewrite. This is just a polish. Right. This is the way I see it as a polish. You only got to do a few things, like four scenes you got to work on." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay." Okay. Right. And you I can deal with that. Yeah, I can deal mm-hmm. with it. I mean, none of this, you got to start over. Right. And that doesn't mean anything. Because right. the thing that scared me was he sent me an email and said, um, I like the draft, but I haven't known what's talk. And I was saying to myself, Yeah, that's a little vague. And I was trying to like, and I was trying to like outthink mm-hmm. him before mm-hmm. I got on the call. Why are you hearing me to say? I was like, Oh, what did he not like? What did he not like? Right. What is this? And it was like so easy because he knew specifically. Yeah, he just wanted to explain it to you. Yes, explain right. it to mm. me. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, that's where I mean, I and I th- I understand that managers and, and agents their time is limited during the Absolutely. day, and the, and they right. perhaps don't have time, and then sometimes they might need to get their their assistants to kind of like to, dic- to dictate the no stuff like that. That's all fine. Mm-hmm. That's all really really fine. But but I'm kind of like have the courtesy to give me that attention and that focus at that moment, right. because otherwise. If I got to write three additional outlines, mm-hmm. I might have to walk away from you because that's making me mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's making me real mad because I could be working on, on th- that's, that's three other projects I could have been developing. Right. You know? So. And, and to me, that's because that's you, don't, you don't have the yeah. ability to tell me how to steer it within what I wrote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You should be able, is, you're a fucking manager and agent. You should have read hundreds of scripts by now. You should understand structure and character and all that other stuff. You should be able to read my story and go, oh. Bam, 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 bam. I see. So you focused on the male character, but the female character is actually a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think you should do a page one, and here's why. What if you focused on the female so she became the killer and yada, 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 and then you'd be like, oh, you see what I mean? Now you at least have reason and why I'm just spitballing here, yeah. but as opposed to just going, this is just I don't know what to do with this. This right. isn't I can't sell it. This doesn't no. connect yeah. to me. Right. You can sell anything because yeah. I've seen shit that right. should have been sold. <laughs> right, and it is correct. And so to me, they just they they have to learn the art 
on how to do that. Like, just like we do. Whenever we hear a story, we know immediately how to turn it into a movie or into right. a TV show. Immediately. Right. You should know exactly how to do that with a note, mm. in my opinion. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's what's up. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah, I'm, but I'm happy now. Things yeah. are much better, and I'm taking one day at a time and just, you know, living life. I mean, it, I, I went away for three weeks at the end of December, all the way up through early January. Mm-hmm. And going back to the East Coast was an emotional healing process because I think the other problem was I didn't leave L.A. at all last year. Oh, okay. And you never got out. No, I never got out. I was mm-hmm. in this for 357 days, right. pretty much. And being in a place where you're constantly insecure, you're constantly feeling like you suck, mm-hmm. and no one is telling you otherwise, it starts to erode on you. And then when I got out of here, because in the past... I would leave, generally speaking, I'm happy when I leave LA four times, like about four times a year. Like okay. once every three months, get on, go on someplace. Right. Just, that's not a desert. you haven't been anywhere in a while, have you? Yeah. You need to get away somewhere. Yeah. That's not a desert. <laughs> yes. Um, no. And when I went back to East Coast, I went and it was freezing and it was a horrible, I was stuck at JFK Airport and all that stuff. But you know what? I was, I, I was but able to weather that But you wasn't thinking about the bullshit. No. It was funny because right. on Facebook, Around like uh, the, right before New Year's, I had written. I had not thought about the industry in almost two weeks. Wow. At that point, I had not thought about. So you movie. you didn't do no work. You just come no. Off. I just sometimes got the you fuck need to out. do it. I yeah, got right. out of here mm-hmm. and I let's see what did I do? I watched Impractical Jokers all day on True TV. <laughs> I watched. Um, I played a lot of video games <laughs> and I did watch a lot of YouTube. You know, true crime things. Oh, you know, that's those. all I yes. did, and it, I felt like. I, went, I saw my people in Baltimore, I saw my people in New York, and I just felt like a human being again. So mm-hmm. when I hit the ground in 2018 back here, I was so much better. Right. And I'm still riding that crest of really not giving a fuck anymore mm-hmm. and just getting, because I've come up with, I should have three samples, new, going out, including yeah. the teacher one, which has been re- resurrected, mm-hmm. going out for staffing season this time. So, you know, I've done everything I could do, and I don't. I guess I can't control people's, you know, expectations or insecurities right. or fears. <clears throat> I, I just want a fair shot, right. and I don't want to be. I don't want it to be a negative that I'm not a moron. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be negative that I'm confident, and I don't want it to be a negative that I don't tolerate disrespect. That's not a negative. I don't think it's a negative you know? at all. But it's, but that's how it's been given right. back to me that all these things that are just I think standard in humanity. I think sometimes in black men are seen as negatives. Well, but, you know. Look, I well, <clears throat> totally agree with you on that because it's like one of the things that I can tell just from like reading some of your Facebook stuff and talking with mm-hmm. you more now and the other time, it's kind of like you are like a very well-read person. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed a lot is that Sometimes that can be mm. looked at as a negative. Yeah, if you, clearly. Like, if you're black, <laughs> I, and I don't know why, um, you know, for in terms of, in terms of if you're on, if you're on other black people, that's, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you, like, it will impress white people mm. because they either aren't that well read themselves. Or don't expect, and, and therefore they think, well, if I'm not well read, then these black people just are, are you know, are scratching the surface with Dr. Doctor Seuss only type of shit, you know? So I, so, so I kind of feel like that's what can impress people. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that it's one of the things I was saying earlier about like, who do you want to like meet mm-hmm. and things like that? And, it's, and, and I, I think 
our natural inclination is who the black showrunners who can hire us, who these people can hire us, stuff like mm. that. And it's harder for us to say we're the white people th- that can hire us. But I kind of feel like that's kind of where we have to kind of push in a sense, particularly you and me because we write genre, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, that obviously, like that right there, puts you. In like a very very small space mm-hmm. for, right. for 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 what black, for what black writers are doing, you know, right. uh, this which is sad, you know, particularly after last weekend, mm-hmm. mm. right? Well, let's get it because we see some dope ass <laughs> shit that, that, that you know that should have been and a hunger for it. Yes. Well, see, you know what? This is the thing. It's 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 three sixty or three sixty one was where I was at last okay, night yeah, at last some night. point. So I'm sure it's up my, now. I said, and they say it's the, it's the number one opening ever in, in February ever. It's already like in the, one of the top five domestic openings. Right, like that. right, already. So to me, I'm saying to myself, and I've been saying this since since last November. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, will, this movie will, will probably be the last major blockbuster. You don't I think? think. You don't think uh, Wrinkle in Time is going to get him? I don't think. I wonder if it's going to be this big because it's a diff, almost mm. a different audience to it's, some extent. It's a different audience. I don't know if it'll be as big. Right. I mean, but I think this movie being a Marvel movie like brings in a, a, a different type of people. Okay. I, see where you're going. I just, th- I, I think, I think, I mean, I believe that Black Panther is definitely going to be the box office champ of this year. But, but, but I don't know. I mean, and depending on what it tops out at, I don't know what is like potentially like could top it because there's been such a thirst for this type of movie. For this type of characterization, this type of display presentation that we've never seen. Right. The thing about Wrinkle Time is Wrinkle Time still feels like like a Harry Potter like like film. Mm. I'm not saying that in a bad mm. way. But oh no, not at all. But I'm saying I know what you're saying. But I'm saying, yeah. well, I've seen that kind of world before. Right. You know, it's the girl who's got to come and save, and the mm. kid, and blah, and it's all featured out, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. You know, and hats off to Ava getting ready to do this movie. Definitely. But I'm kind of like, it's a different thing to do the Afrofuturism and to do it the way they did it in mm-hmm. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's just my thoughts. You know, I I, I could be wrong. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I hope it's going to be a huge. I think it's going to be huge. Oh, it's going to be it's huge. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's going to do a hundred million in the first weekend. Um, yes. Just because yeah. I know I'm gonna go, um, but I know that the 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 black the black girl nerds and them they're just going to be killing you know everybody on Twitter to go out and see it. People are already talking about what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, they doing the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, with 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 Black Panther. Right. But I think you're right on the money. Black Panther speaks to a Marvel. So Marvel's. Uh, uh, already has that up under their umbrella, and everybody's familiar with that. You know, as it's a preheated to, oven. Like some people haven't read the book. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. But for it, a it, time. and I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, I, th- I think that the uh, that Black Panther still also speaks to black men in a way that the other film won't be doing, right. and also that, and also that just films in general don't do. Right. And to me, I was thinking about this when we were coming up here. I was like. As cool as Black Panther is, as as great as it is, in terms of what it did is, it kind of like set the stage for something where other people kind of missed the boat and 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 they could have done this right. and like it's because it's timing, right? It's timing. Like I, like it's like I was saying all along, if you had Chewie Till Edge of Four mm-hmm. play K. Mm-hmm. In the Blade Runner sequel, oh, mm. yeah, that's right. Damn, that would have been dope because yeah. it, because here it's coming out earlier than Black Panther. Mm-hmm. It would have done, and then this this audience base that you know was dying for something like this, they would have came out to that movie, right. and they didn't. 
because mm-hmm. they're like we're not we're not represented in this again. Movie. Right. Right, and I love know. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but they could have used a but, black or a per, I don't understand why they. Well, I do understand, but man, <laughs> but, no, but, but it would have been nice. But imagine you're right. telling that. You're right. Right. No, I can. You just. I, I guess I'm saying it. you'd be like, oh it. shit, I've seen this movie right, twice. Right, I've right. seen it twice mm-hmm. because it would have a different movie on so many levels. Oh man, it wouldn't have been. Oh my god, that would have been dope. <laughs> Jesus. All right, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's all hitting me now. I'm like, wow. I remember him in a fight in a uh, Serenity. Yeah, right. how awesome yeah. he was. Yeah. In that little right. bit of role. role. Yeah, right. he's a scene stealer. Right, stealer. And I'm saying to myself, that's where I think Black Panther touches on things that the audience mm. has just been like dying for. Since like the seventy four Shaft or whatever it was, like they mm. haven't seen. I mean, yeah, we've seen other movies and stuff like this, like people getting their due. I mean, the the previous Shaft that came out with Sam Jackson, right. but this is like a different thing, right. you know. And it kind of and there's so many hyper idealized, hyper idealized, yeah. and it's the thing that Which I needed. Jesus, yeah, and it's the, it's the thing that it's the thing that I've been saying all along. The thing about Get Out is that. The, the thing that makes Get Out great is a great movie, and I've, I've seen this for, I, and it's not I've seen for like 10 or 15 years, a, that's an elevated genre film. Mm-hmm. And an elevated genre film. Psychological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if that, you know, like type of movie with a black lead or, or, or something like that really, really like does a lot mm-hmm. because there's always that you know you can go back to that that Eddie Murphy he did in Delirious and he was or was it Raw and he was like you know if black people are, if black people show up in the haunted house they're like oh, oh yeah. out you know, yeah, right. Right. get out yeah and it's, yeah. it's oh, time to go right time now. To go. <laughs> and I kind of feel like there's that there's that there's that I think that black people don't necessarily go see a lot of those elevated genre films for that reason because they're, they're like motherfucker I'd be gone in five seconds right. you know yeah. but you but but, but get it, out. We but live out, every day. But yeah, you know, every day. Yeah. And guess what? That's real. He couldn't leave because right. he was in the second place. And you're like, oh shit. So I kind of feel like he touched on something mm-hmm. that is like that's how you can make those movies like just sing in a way and make the money that you want them to make that that they're not doing. You know, it's too bad. Well, it's funny because <clears throat> a group of us went and saw it on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? And so afterward. We were off. To, we went to go to Coffee Bean just to talk about it and mm-hmm. uh, decompress. And so one of our friends said, "Well, I was wondering, do you think Michael B would be a better Black Panther?" And we all went mm. like, "And we we're like, no way." Mm. Now, here's the deal. Mm. This is just interesting, though. Now, one of us was my, my producing partner, Pamela, who's a big casting director. So we were. She was looking at it from casting point. My friend who said it is a really big DP, so he was looking at it from his point of view as a film, you know, all that other... Now, we had some issues with the lighting at the beginning, by the way. Did you know that whole first opening scene, it was like, where is everybody? Mm. You can't hardly see shit. You hear fighting, you hear poof, 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 (laughs) but you can't see shit. Anyway, so uh, uh, we were talking about the whole casting thing, Mm -hmm. and I was like, no, Michael B., wonderful actor, he he would be a totally different Black Panther. Mm. Black Panther is an educated prince. He's super smart. He has to think. And subdued. And subdued. Right. And, and, and if you see Michael B. and his swag, and his <laughs> motherfucker He's walking crackling. like he just came out He's of Oakland. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Which his character did. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It, it, no. Right. No. He looked beautiful and then the fucking body was amazing. All that. But it's a different character. Well, yeah, because I'm not, I mean, like, 
I'd be curious to see Michael B. play a restrained character. Right. I've never seen him do that in his work. Right, you know, I'm not saying he can't. No, 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 no. But, but I'd be curious to see him do that because that's where, you know, because I think we're just we're, we're processing it off of what we've seen them do, and and, and so and so Chadwick, we've seen him play Jackie Robinson right. with mm-hmm. this type right. of dignity. Right. Right. We've, we, Thurgood Marshall, right. Thurgood Marshall, with this type of white mm-hmm. gravitas. That mm-hmm. it's, it's all these kind of things that, that was that him and James Brown and James Brown. Oh my God, that was yeah. Jesus. Right. Yeah. So there's just so so oh, the boy the boy can it, switch. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I just think with Michael B. You know, for whatever it is, you know, I mean, he's, he, I mean, great actor. Fantastic actor, but he hasn't had the same type of movie roles like experience yet. Right. And I kind of think that you know, and may, also because he's young, you know, what I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not, you know, he's not forty, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and I say that not like it's a bad thing, but I'm just kind of like, there's, I mean, if he had been, if if he had another ten years in the game, then he'd have a whole bunch of different movies just to right. compare him about. Right. I just kind of feel like that's where, and Michael plays the young guy. With the type of energy that you want to have, I mean, like, right. he was I, he was such good casting in that movie, like just mm-hmm. the, the the way he would kind of do things mm-hmm. and just kind of like, I mean, there's that there's that small line that he gives to the girl <laughs> when he's like uh, to the, to the woman in the museum when mm-hmm. he's like. How you th- he was like, do you think your answer's just you know like uh, paid a fair price for this? You know, I was <laughs> like, oh shit, he just was so perfect for that. So, but you're right, it, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different mm-hmm. if he if he's Black Panther. I don't know who else who who who, who could be. Black well, Panther. I heard I saw on Twitter last night somebody said some somebody was chiming in about how well somebody said this great little tweet about how how nice it is to see you know the black blah 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 and of course you know a lot of white people yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and somebody said well you know it would have been better to just see like Idris Elba or something like that <laughs> I was like as Black Panther and I was like. He's too old. He's too old. He could be a father. He's too old. But he's yeah. too way too old. Way yeah. too clearly you don't know the comic. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't. That's <laughs> you know the trick. Yeah, no, exactly, right, exactly. Right, right. But see the problem is, and we were talking about this too, Chadwick was perfect as Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Number one, we don't have nine hundred choices. There could have been five hundred white dudes who could have played if it was a white character in that age range. Mm-hmm. We have like five dudes, maybe. Right. Right, you know what I mean? Who can who a, can a list a list a right. actor who can who can hold a movie and mm-hmm. get people in there and get financing and distribution and all that shit like that. He's at the top of the list, right? Actually, Absolutely. probably more so than Michael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me? In the short term, yeah, right, absolutely, right. because true. he's had more, yeah, more yeah, shit more to do. And Marvel set him right. up in a, a very specific way, right? He's been you in know. the other movies, et cetera, exactly. et cetera. So, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So, so that in itself makes the most sense for why. Because a lot of a lot of people don't understand why people cast. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> it's got a whole different reasoning behind who and why. And we were we were talking mm-hmm. about this also. Uh, um, we're in the middle of casting my Black Wall Street movie, right? So, oh, the, the Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Tulsa. The, yeah, Tulsa. Tulsa. Right, right, right. So, so <clears throat> we have it out to a big actor right now. Um, his agents are supposed to be having a lunch with the casting director, and so. We were talking about why we sent the letters to the producers on why we wanted this particular person over who they thought they wanted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was this long like monologue explaining all the intersections between distribution and all these other things and how they're right on the cusp of once they finish this thing, by the time we come out, we'll be here. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of adding things up and how much money they save us because of it, it, it's, it's, it's math. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always, oh, but they look exactly like the real Black Panther in the comic book. It's like, yeah, but there's math to this thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
so, the business side of well, it. Well, see, right. there's that, but I think, I think you made a good point about how you got to be able to you got to be able to like hold the movie. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I remember a friend of mine; he was in. Um, he had a little small role in was it is it Charlie's Angels two that had Bruce Willis had the little comic the cameo Probably. or something like that. I can't remember. I can't. I can't remember which one it was. But he but but he was in a scene with Bruce Willis one time mm. in a movie. And, um, <clears throat> and 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 he was like and he, and he was like Bruce Willis although he's not that tall yeah he has the, like he projects his presence, his presence right. that right. you know why he is the lead of movies right. and it's not just you know there's a, there's a lot to that because mm-hmm. you look at Black Panther it's like you know Chadwick Boseman he's in almost I mean he's in a, I mean he's controlling the drama in every mm-hmm. scene right that's a lot of that's a lot to put on an actor because mm-hmm. you see people who can't do it right you know right. Um, that that's an important thing to, to to look at. People just think, oh, well, because he's he or she is a hot actor and actress, that they should be able to do the role. <clears throat> but there's lots more. It's about carrying a movie. Like for instance, we're in the middle of um, trying to trying to raise money for this pilot. We're going to go shoot independently, mm. and the two leads are huge internet stars who do these skits, so they can act. But nobody's seen them do a whole half-hour show. And our show is like a Dark Atlanta type of show, right? Oh, wow. And so, um, so we need to shoot it because we have to show the proof of concept in order to get the network to buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. We can't just sell it to the network. They're going to want to cast Who some other want, people. Right. Right. Want, yeah. You know what I mean? So we have to show them that they can handle 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or 24 minutes, whatever the right. so, so, So sometimes you have to do that to prove the point, you know, to prove the concept, which is right. why they came up proof of concepts in the first place. Also, and this is this is what I was going to tell you earlier is mm-hmm. a lot of people who get on staff and on TV shows, they get stuck in waiting for Hollywood. Right. So whenever people ask you about you doing your comic books, it's like, I'm not waiting. Right. I still have other things to do. Absolutely. Because they still right. steer you in other ways. They still allow you to write animation shows. They still allow you to do whatever. So had you not have been doing that, you wouldn't be able to get those. Right. See to me, uh, uh, to me, that's kind of a bullshit line because the people don't care that you write comic books. Mm. Because I kind of, I don't know the real reasoning behind, but I've heard stories uh, about why Brian Michael Bendis left Marvel. Mm. I, I, I heard that the people at DC want to give him more. Control on the movie stuff. I believe that. That's primarily based upon his comic writing. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, see, okay, and I'm glad you brought that up because, in a lot of ways, people like Bendis and even Jeff Johns, and there's no disrespect because I love all their work, but they get the opportunity. Right. And that's what it all comes down to is that somebody, someplace, somewhere made a decision that Bendis would be allowed to write stuff at Marvel. And and sadly, we as people of color don't always get that. And if you are a black writer at Marvel or DC, you need to be a Pulitzer Prize winner or a National Book Award mm-hmm. winner or somebody who on New York uh, Times bestseller list like Roxane Gay or Nettie Okorafor or Tanahesi Coates. Right. You know, um, whereas Marvel and DC are populated with white writers who have not done anything but close. To, and I mean, a lot, there's a couple of guys I'm not going to name them who just walked into Marvel and got big books. Yeah, and it. I think that's the disparity, at least in the comic book side, that has to be uh, addressed. But I mean, I think, I mean, what I, I, say, I was going know. somewhere with this, though. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> My th- and I think you, didn't you shoot something recently? Yeah, I shot a short uh, right. UFO thriller. Right. Yeah. So where I'm going with that is, 
those are the things you have to do. That's the right. thing you're in control of. Right. That's saying, I'm not waiting for Hollywood. Like we always do, we just go and shoot our shit. Mm-hmm. Just go and shoot the concept, whatever it is. You know, you know how to do it. You know how to direct. You know how to produce. You know what I mean? So why not put on that hat and, and make the work? Show them. They don't have time to read something. Show, show them something. Them. I agree. And that's what I'm saying is instead we get on a show and then you get off 20 weeks later and you never fucking work for five years, right? <laughs> that to me, no offense to anybody, that's kind of your fault mm-hmm. because you're not taking initiative of all the things you've learned and went, wait a minute. I could put together two or three thousand dollars and go shoot a little something, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Right. And make it look like it's twenty. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 to me, that's the next step. People aren't taking the next step, they're just sitting back. Right. Well, I guess I gotta write another script. And like, or you could go shoot, shoot something, right. Something to show grow. Or put, so some, or put something out. I'm, I mean, like I, I, you know, what's his name? Who well, I always want to get on this show, but he's busy. Um Leonard Chang, right? right, right. So I, I first met him. I think he, he just, listened to the show. Yeah, yeah. so I'm saying his name yeah. right now because I'm just gonna listen. <laughs> hey, Leonard, what's uh, up, man? come on the show, Jack. Um, <laughs> he, in the, I guess they're, in the, they're doing a, they're doing a snowfall right now, so yeah. I know he's busy out doing oh. that. But um, you know, I want to write in the show. Holla at a brother. <laughs> yeah. I got five scripts but, for you right now. <laughs> I, but I met him maybe five or six years ago at a panel, and he was. Um, and he, he come out of one of those programs, can't remember, and he couldn't get staffed. Mm-hmm. But, really? But um, he was writing novels. Is how he kind of he's, he'd been writing novels mm-hmm. before he got into this. And the, so he went back and wrote some more novels. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not like bestsellers and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're crime stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to break through. They're all very, very massively told because I've read like two of them. Okay. Um, I'm just like, he's a great fucking writer, and he's like, he's not waiting for Hollywood, you know. Right. And right. then something happened where he got on. This show that I really, really love. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was with, um, oh, fuck, this guy who lived in a world where he, had, he was in a car accident and it was and it split his reality. Oh, it was Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. I know what you're yeah, talking about. He yeah. wakes up in one world. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 You don't know which one is the real yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And right. a great right. show. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That should have been on NBC. It should have been a cable show. Right. That's a, but but he got that, and then that was short-lived, you right. know, and it was gone. I, I like that show. I, it was a good show. Very good show. And then he was able to, I mean, you know, I think he put a book out right after that, and then he got unjustified. And it, you know, and 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 basically, he hasn't stopped working since Justified right. because he wasn't waiting. He was like, ah, "I'm just gonna," you mm-hmm. know, because. And then I was talking to him one time, and he was like, "Well, what's it like?" And he was like, "Well, look, people like the fact that I'm a novelist because they know that I can put the whole story together, right. you know." And I think that's the same thing with your comics. It's like mm-hmm. you can put the whole story together. I don't need. I don't, there's not a room for me to develop. Mm-hmm. I got to develop the story. Right. So we're on for like five issues of the whole graphic novel. It's just me. Right. So right. if you. I've, like you said earlier about you know like I can build the world I can create these little backstories you need for Agent Carter because I am used to doing everything mm-hmm. not, myself and, and right. I'm not saying it like it's a brag some people might say it's a brag some people might look at it as a brag but it's like but it's like you know what that's what I have to do to, to survive to get yeah. to get in this position yeah. I gotta do everything you know and it's but, just, but see to me that's not a brag at all when you when you go on your showrunner meeting you're supposed to be going there and then to tell them what your what your superpower is. Yeah, and sometimes your superpower is I'm the guy who can write, you know, all the bios or whatever the fuck, it is, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm the dude, so you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm the guy who could do it, and I turn it into like two hours, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? You have to sell that thing to make them go shit. We need him. Right. Somebody else just came in who was already genre like you. Mm-hmm. So let me show what show them your superpowers. You know what I mean? So I think I, that's not being arrogant. Mm-hmm. That's saying here's how I help you. Right. 
You know what I mean? I agree with that. Right. Yeah. Where, where you get where you get stuck. This is this is where, and let's talk about this briefly. Sure. <clears throat> this is where writers need to be, I think, careful. Now, you guys know who my mentor is. And he used to tell me all the time when Twitter came out and Facebook and all that, he's like, be very careful what you put out there. People will interpret what they want. So if you guys always see, this is just my opinion, what I learned from this person, they said, be very careful what you put out. So if people are talking politics, don't chime in. If people are talking about black this and Trump this, don't chime in. You can have the thought, you can have your group little meetings and all that stuff, but if you're the guy doing that and, and, and you want to be on a certain show and the show doesn't believe in that, mm. they read all that. Every time I staff a show, I'm looking at who's on there. I go on their Twitter. I go on their Facebook. I'm trying to see what kind of people they are. I'm trying to see if they're very negative, I'm trying to see if they are mm-hmm. the perp- – because if they can just blurt out this about Trump or this about you know whatever the situation is, they'll do that in the room. Mm. So – all I can say is, now you say that, and then you have 900 other big writers who are constantly going in about, but they're already there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I look at my girl, Latoya Morgan, she'd be going in. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you're trying to get there, you want to play neutral, in my opinion. That's why you'd see I'm not a big Twitter head, because I don't want to be the dude who's chiming in about Every negative stuff, right. even though I may believe it, you know? I'm not the first person to go, yep, he did such and such. Can you believe whatever? <laughs> I, I might be thinking, but I'm like, I'm not going, they're not going to see that in my Twitter feed that I even yeah, like I was it. told that about two years ago. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah. And, and so you have to be careful with, say you get on the show and it gets canceled. If you're out there going, <clears throat> you know, I don't understand why I'm not being hired again. I've been doing this and I've been doing that. Then you might come across as self-entitled. Right. So Which it's, I never did, though. I never, I'm generalizing. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Though. So, I, I, so I was about to go down a list of things. Yeah, right, so right. It, I'm trying to tell you there's different ways that people interpret negatively. Right. To you, I was saying this. Right. To them, there it was an exclamation point. <laughs> an exclamation point. Or you know an accusation. What I mean? Or an accusation. So right. you have to be, you have to decide, and I can't tell you what to do, you know, in any kind of, like our friend Paul. You know, and Jeff, they go okay, on okay. ranting, like, you know, Jeff, they go on ranting their butts off about anything. They don't give a fuck, but they're there. <laughs> you feel me? Get there, then talk your shit. Right. You know what I mean? Right. On your way there, be like, mm-hmm, I heard it too. You know what I mean? As neutral as possible. Now, yeah. some people may enjoy that, and you might get hell of reactions back mm-hmm. and hell of conversations back. And that may be what gets you in the door. Somebody might like that. Mm-hmm. So what I might be saying might be against everything you believe. But at the same time, you know, it's like there are times that I say stuff about Trump right. on Twitter because I, it's like it's too hard for me not to. That's fine. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the country is really taking a hit. Right. Um, but there's so much you could say. Mm-hmm. Like I think the big thing is is that but you talk about a lot of other things. If that's your main thing, like all the time. All day long. I'm negative, just like, negative, I'm not even negative. following this person anymore. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, well, that's right. not me. But I'm saying it's like, are you a loose cannon? Right. That's right. What, see, that's the fear. Right. Because then it's like, are you going to be on the show and like explain a storyline before it happens? I mean, there's all this kind of stuff that, 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 that they're, they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. I mean, and you have to you do have to be, but it's like, it's but it's it's like that with everything. It's like you have to be, uh, bulletproof. 
to be bulletproof. You have to be bulletproof to be in this industry in any whatever mm. department you're well, in. Well, you have to be bulletproof <clears throat> until your vibranium, and that's when you made your money. That's <laughs> your vibranium. You're like, what's up? Yeah, what's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. No, you're right. Episode. I mean, you're absolutely <laughs> correct, though, because um, a couple years ago I was told by a showrunner, mm-hmm. uh, black male, actually, good guy, and he was just like, yeah, you know, just be careful what you say on social media, right. you know, because people will, like you say, interpret everything negatively depending right. on the, uh, like, you could just post, hey, it's a beautiful day. And someone's like, well, what does he mean by that? You know, right. why is it beautiful? You know, right. somebody, because there's always going to be someone who has that seed of negativity and right. is looking for some, for fertile soil for mm-hmm. it to develop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's definitely true. Believe me, because I uh, have the show and people right. will chime in and be like, well, you know, I disagree with what you guys said today on the episode. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, man. Great, you, right. hey, I appreciate you listening. I keep it like that. I don't even talk about right. what they talked about. And I tell you, you know, I mean, you know? Black Panther to me has just been, you know, it's just a watershed of positivity. Right. You know, um, I, I posted on Facebook right before I left. Felt like going to the Million Man March, right? You know, because <laughs> and, the, and the situation is very similar because in 1995, this is after the crime bill went through. Right. Um, I was in college, and I remember, and I don't, I'm, I'm not saying police didn't do bad stuff before the crime bill. <laughs> but once that crime bill went through in 94, 95, man, I felt like that was a, a turning point where right. cops was like, yeah, now. Right. <laughs> now we got our so, tenure. <laughs> right. So, you know, that was the year of OJ. That was the year of right. so many horrible things mm-hmm. uh, for black folk, but particularly <laughs> African-American men. And going to Black Panther... When I got off the bus in D.C., you know, in back in 19, October 95, I'll never forget that day. And I felt like when I got to the Arclight Hollywood, mm-hmm. it was very... So I parked my car, I got out, walked. And then my black and, people everywhere. And I, but right. it, it was just like this <clears throat> energy mm-hmm. of positive... Because the Arclight Hollywood, you, you never know what you're going to get. It's a mixed bag in terms of the crowd. Right. But that day... And it was all just of the things that Black, Black Panther, Panther yeah, the entire marquee, right. electronic marquee read Black Panther. And that, that was astounding to me. Wow. And as someone who's read comics pretty much since 1981 or 82, as someone who is a black person that creates sci-fi, yeah, that creates yeah. sci-fi for, well, not for, but with black folk in it and right. centralized in it, it was just a, an amazing moment. And it just made me feel so much better. I mean, in a lot of ways, and this is something that also, and one thing I didn't say would mm-hmm. help me get through the end of 2017 was right. seeing Hamilton. Mm. And, I, and I mean this, like Hamilton was that thing that I, I got at the moment that I absolutely needed it. Right. Because Did you see it in New York? You saw I saw it, it at the Pantages. Okay. I wish I had seen it with yeah. the original cast, but I, it, I was out here. Right. But the beauty of it was... Oh, it is still good here. Shit. Oh, yeah, no, it was. No, that was a hell of a cast. You see it with the black dude who played Hamilton? Or which yeah, one? Okay. the black dude, yeah, the yeah, short dude. Amazing. And then the lady who played Eliza, Sophia right. something. Right. Like right. She was absolutely astounding, right. you know. But what I was going to say was that I walked out of Hamilton, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, but I felt stupid, as stupider than I've ever felt in a long time, hmm. in the sense that I watched something of utter, complete brilliance, right. and I was like, shit, I got to step up my game. Right. Walking out of Hamilton, right. I was like, right. I feel so fucking stupid. Because right. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda, goddamn, dude. Right. And I was just like, shit. But what that did for me in a positive sense was like, you know what, I can tell a, I can get to this. I can get to it. I can mm-hmm. achieve and surpass it if I really want to. Right. I just got to stop and think. And what L.A. had did to me in 2017 was not allow me to stop and think. 
2017 was a fuck. And then even beyond year. just the, right. the administration, right. I mean, just I felt like there was a weirdness in LA and right. in, in the country in general. Mm-hmm. 20, things were just strange. Well, because you know? of the election, that was part of it, though. It was a huge. You know, I think it started there. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but right. I'm saying the, the, it set yeah, the precedent. Yeah, the right. election was this. It gave birth to something that I don't think we were expecting in a lot of ways. I mean, hate I, yeah, so much hate. Yeah, and I, did, I mean, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you about Hamilton. It's one of it's like it's that famous quote about genius and talent. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the talent is can hit what you know, which you know, like no one else can do, but right. the, the genius can hit you know, like what no one else can see. Right. And Ooh, I feel like that's like that's yeah. And I was just I was just kind of like that's what Hamilton was because yeah. I'm sure you, being a history teacher, like know the Hamilton story. Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, blowing my mind. I mean, to right. me, <laughs> to see me, it done in history. and to see these black faces yeah, and right? Latinos. You know, right? but, but to me, like I was always interested in Hamilton as the historical figure because because I knew he was I, I knew he wasn't white. I knew he was he was a mixed person, and so he was always so so he he always held interest to me as mm. as, as one of the founding fathers that I kind of gravitated with you know toward, toward more. But the way that they portrayed it, it was just mm. like, oh shit, right. man! Right. You like, I didn't know you could tell the story this way, right? And Jim, that's and that's my point. Jim, that when yeah. you hit a point where you see a story that you completely understand the story, but then it hits you on a level that you don't even realize. It's like this subconscious, almost Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon piece of you right. that was a stim- that was stimulated right. by just the, the the pure beauty of what that story was, mm. and then. After Hamilton, like that also fed my energy coming into 2018, right. and then seeing Black Panther, and then seeing not just the movie, which was a fantastic piece of work, it was effortless, which means that it, a lot of work went into it. You um, know, I mean, clearly. Right. But then just seeing all the black folk, and you know, without spoiling it, the scene when uh, Daniel, uh, what's his name, from Get Out, I always say his name wrong. Oh yeah, uh, uh, you know, I can never say his name either. Right, when he mm-hmm. kneels in front yeah. of um, uh, Danai Gurira yes. after the rhino attack. And she's when he drops his weapon, mm-hmm. all the theater, most of the black people in the theater started clapping. Right. Because yeah. it was such a refutation of toxic masculinity, right. you know, which is why I think really the core of Black Panther is a refutation of toxic masculinity. Mm. And I think that's where I think so many people are, because toxic masculinity is destroying the planet, right. period. The fact that we treat women the way we treat women, the fact we treat the indigenous the way we treat the indigenous, we treat the stolen how we treat the stolen. Mm -hmm. I feel that this film shows you how to tell a story with these people without centralizing the, making it poverty porn, which is what I'm tired of that too. But at the same time, you don't forget that these people were struggling, but you also centralize their humanity. It was not sitting around white man this white man that yeah. which you know can get boring too, yeah. you know. It I don't was, think there was a line in there about well, that colonizer, bullshit. which was my favorite. Uh, colonizer. Yeah, that was yeah. a, that was the best slur I've <laughs> yeah, ever seen. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a slur without being a slur, right? <laughs> exactly. but, uh, but there was some backhand stuff. Yeah, you look, right, right. but I just feel like the beauty of who we are. And Lupita Nyong'o said this in the interview, which I've been watching all the interviews. Right. She was like, it was a pan-African scene when they did the waterfall mm-hmm. scene with the warrior, water, warrior waterfall. They call yes. it. She said, and you can find this on you. She, she talks about how there were people from Sierra Leone, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, East Africa. Well, even the elders, they, they right. represented all those right. different But, but right. in real world, right. like in terms of the physical actors, they, okay. she had, they were saying that they were, Af- they were people from every aspect of the diaspora on that set oh, that day. Oh, that's, oh, and, that's wow. And they were doing, and she was, rap, she was freestyling. This is what she said. Because that, that, who else talked about this? Winston Duke, who played M'Baku, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. he, they were talking about 
it was, it was an interview right after that when they were mm-hmm. talking about Lapita having freestyle skills. And they said that they were playing Drop It Like It's Hot on drums. <laughs> and all the people on the waterfall were saying, over really? and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And she said that. They got to have that on film. They have to. Somebody oh, had to record. But yes. they were saying that that moment was like the magical moment. Because every, every set right. has a magical right. moment. That was the magical moment when you had the Pan-African experience singing a hip-hop song. Wow. And Lupita was freestyling. You know, really? and they were playing. She got bars, huh? Yeah, they were. Everyone was stunned. It was, and, and there's video of that. I think her rapping. Some oh, really? Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna on, look that up. Yeah. So see, see, so, I know someone has some little yeah. SD camera so, uh, or right. their phone or something recording that. Yeah, they had to have. So, I mean, Ryan Coogler might have. You know. So, I just feel like that we are vibing off the fact that we're seeing ourselves finally as who we are. Because one of the things I always argue about, and this is something that I get in a lot of trouble for, where I always say that. They make us seem poorer than we actually are. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that there's all these poverty statistics and numbers, but then my reality doesn't show that all black people are poor and suffering and starving. Correct. There is problems in our communities. We know that. But the majority of the black community gets up and goes to work every single day like everybody else. We generate, what is it, $1.2 trillion? A year, so how could everybody being on welfare generate one point two trillion dollars a year? <laughs> no, like way. if black people became their own country, I forgot where we would be in the GDP, right. but we would be pretty, we'd be in a pretty good spot, like a second world nation status, right. Right. and that's African Americans by themselves. So. One of the things that drives me crazy is the poverty porn, the over expectation of weakness, the refuge, the denial of our own excellence. Mm-hmm. Because when I took that picture, well, I didn't take the picture, but uh, but when I posted the picture on, uh, which is the best performing picture I've ever put up <laughs> on Twitter, I have t- almost two thousand likes. Really? I have never gotten two thousand <laughs> likes for anything I've ever posted, no matter how positive or awesome. I always get, I probably top off at about seventy likes. Right. Historically, mm-hmm. and I got like damn near two thousand for that. Yeah. So, and I, and I put a little thing about how everybody in this shot is a showrunner or a screenwriter right. of acclaim or has achieved something. Right. Every man in that photo, right? And I think we're just tired of hearing we're nothing mm-hmm. all the time. You know, like the black men smiling hashtag, which went up about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I, I found it by accident, and. Even as, and I always make this, as a straight black man, I still like seeing black men happy. Right. You know? Right. You know, because it's always, you know, some weirdness because people, you know, some people have some issues in themselves. But anytime, like there was a shot with Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan on Essence, a Mm. couple, like a year and a half or two Mm -hmm. years ago, and he's touching them. Everyone was making a big deal. I'm like, so we can't be affectionate toward other black men without being called gay? Yes. And not that, there's a, not that that's a problem, but right. I'm like, this is where people's heads at. The fact that black men are hugging each other or smiling right. or being tender, not shooting each other or calling each other nigger 24-7. Right. Right. That means that you're gay because you love your brother? Right. Like, what, I was, I mean, it, 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 and I'm just saying, like, to right. me, I think this is what Black Panther is the antidote for. I think that everyone has wanted for so long just to see us not be pathological. <laughs> and I think for me, because there was no pathology in it. Even right. Killmonger's point of view, which I absolutely agree with. I don't agree with his misogyny. Right. But I get what he was saying. Like, yo, all of us have been suffering. You guys had the weapons. We could have won. Because yeah. my beef, and this as a comic book geek, my, I was never a fan of Black Panther as a character. Because I always thought to myself, 
Why don't the Wakandans? Why didn't the Wakandans do anything during the transatlantic slave trade? Hmm. That has always been my argument. Interesting, because they had the ability yeah. to stop. They were it taking all. them from Africa, so right, they read them. So over. I've yeah. always had a problem with Black Panther because it goes into that. And this, the movie didn't do this, and some people think it did, but I don't think it did. But there has been that whole noble African versus African American thug, right. you know, a Black American thug right. type of discourse that's gone on. Since before I was born, right. and even in Baltimore growing up, recent African immigrants would kind of look down on us, and there would always be this kind of weirdness with there that. But I didn't. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there yeah. is. But yeah. I didn't feel, even though some people say it's there, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that there. Right. I just felt that he had a point of view because of the PTSD of being a black person in the United States, right. and that what like it's like this is what the U.S. does to people. You know, white men, black men, white women, people, women of color. You know, the U.S. Our culture creates PD is a post-traumatic stress disorder culture right. because we hurt people so much. There's so much like look at the shooting, mm-hmm. you know, in Florida. God bless the, you know, God bless everyone who survived, and sadly the ones who passed. But just the reaction to it from the other side, like the, the nasty side, like there are people attacking the children who survived on Twitter. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There it's are. Crazy. Fox News put up a thing which showed a young girl with a short haircut saying, yeah. "We don't want to take this anymore." Mm-hmm. And these Fox News zombies hmm. are like, well, you know, we have our guns for a reason. If you don't like it, get out of here. You know, I don't hmm. know if they really sound like that, but that's in my mind. That's what it sounds like. But I always go back to what Michael Moore what talked about. Right? <laughs> Michael Moore in Bowling for Columbine uh, said it best that the reason why white Americans need their guns is because they, in the back of their head, they think we're all coming for them. <laughs> they 24-7 believe, not everyone, right. but there's this belief Like we did that, in South Africa, right? Right. But there's a belief that there's such a fear. We're a fear-based society. I always talk about this. And the way to get rid of guns is to get rid of our fear. And the one movie... The one scene in the movie I would suggest everyone watch. I mean, first of all, everyone should watch Network and mm-hmm. read Patty Chayefsky's screenplay. Read the screenplay, watch the movie. Right. Network explains why the news is the way it is, as mm-hmm. propaganda. Then there was a movie that came out with Jake Gyllenhaal called Nightcrawler right. a couple right. years ago. I think it was a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. right? And there's a moment Which where- he got shafted from the nomination. Dude, he was so good. Shit. Anyway, that man is bad. <laughs> that, that, dude, that boy is bad. Anyway, don't get me started on that. That right. cat can act. Right. Act. AK. That boy can act. Um- there's a scene with him and Rene Russo, who plays a news director, and she says something like, yeah, we always lead with this stuff because it scares white people. <laughs> because white people watch local. I don't watch local news anymore, <clears throat> right. but every now and then I'll tune into KTLA, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, okay, let's see what the weather's going to be like. <laughs> and it's like, oh, some gangbang, some cholo gangbang, right. a shot of somebody, or somebody beat up a little late. And I'm like, of all the things you could report... You have to put a black or Latino face doing something bad right. at the top of your broadcast. I mean... That's a fear-based thing. Um, what it, well, there's a great book, and I'll, and I'll shut, shut up after this. There's a book called um, The Culture of Fear by Barry Glasner. Again, The Culture of Fear oh, yeah. by Barry Glasner, who's yeah, a UCLA sociology yeah. professor. Uh-huh. He said, and this is back in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's like 2003, actually, when he said this, that crime has gone down, like he said, like 70%, but the reporting of crime has gone up 100 and something percent. Damn. So That's a good quote, and, too, right and, and yesterday, I saw a tweet, and I wish I could find it, where crime is at an all-time low again, but people are more afraid now than they ever have been. Right. Ch- child abductions are actually not as ubiquitous as everyone believes, but no one lets their kid go outside, right. despite the fact that most kids will never be it. Because in theory, in the 80s, I should have been raped and abducted right. every single day because I would go outside for 13 hours a day right. and no one knew where we were. 
I had no idea. And I used to play in abandoned construction sites. Right. And somehow I've, I've made it to here. Right. So I feel that so much of anti-black bigotry is based upon fear. Mm-hmm. And one thing I love about Black Panther, it is not a fear-based movie. You know what I mean? And I think that's another thing is that when you see the absence of fear, finally, that's something that pe- people don't want to be afraid. Like, we go see scary movies. That's one thing. That's a controlled experiment. But <clears throat> life, who wants to get up and think everyone's out to get me all the time? And I do believe, and this is my sociology side talking, historically, from day one, from day one, white Working class to white poor have been told that blacks are their enemies. And this is why you see Fox News gain such an advantage. This is mm-hmm. why the guns sell. Mm-hmm. So go back to Bowling for Columbine. They're selling more. And read <laughs> right. Culture of Fear by Barry Glassner. Right. And, um, That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. Cool, man. Good episode. Good episode. Where you at, Brandon? I am on Twitter, at Brandon Easton. I've also created an Instagram presence showing my workout routine. I'm at Brandon Easton Writer on Instagram. Thank you, sir. (laughs) And um, I'm also on Facebook, but I have been taking a break from Facebook. I've only been posting like major positive things. (laughs) You know, um, because I I spent way too much time on Facebook over the years arguing with complete morons. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just posting things that I want to post and talk about positive things. And my Twitter feed is the same way. So come on over to my Twitter. It's at Brandon Easton. Um, Brandon Easton Writer on Instagram and Brandon.Easton on Facebook. Cool. Thank Where you at, Chris? I am uh, on Twitter and Instagram, same handle, at unauthorized CBD. That's what's that. I talk about you know movies and shit every once in a while. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in on some craziness about the politics. <laughs> you know, like I like like I chimed in on about the, the about the shooting in Florida. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to because well, yeah. but, no, but I said to my but I, but I said to my uh, but but my thing is why is this news? We don't care about this situation, so why even report it? Mm. We're not going to change it because we're not, not going to change the laws. Mm. After this thing is Sandy Hook, since, since there's no change from there, there's going to be no change. Right. But however, that generation is voting this year. The, the, the Florida, oh. like, this, this, this is the one positive, that those kids have become radicalized against the NRA. Mm. And if Mueller's investigation is going to do what I think it's going to do, the NRA may be in some trouble. Right. They need to be in trouble. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at <clears throat> that. Is that. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrentroom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, and shit like that. That's what's up. Um, follow us on Facebook, too. Uh, so thank you all. This was a good episode. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was good. A lot of game in that one. Yeah. Thank good you one. for having me. Yeah, really, yeah. Thank it's you great to be through. back, man. Thank it's been a while. Through. Thank yeah. you for coming through. Yeah. Um, so you know how we do it on the rent room. And when we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what y'all. Wakanda. Wakanda. Peace. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rent room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the rent room